ready to be romanced. I'm Tori. And I'm Haley. And today we're discussing the Duke, the Duke and I. And I. <laughs> Did we nail that? I <laughs> think we really stuck it. So. It's that a little easier when it's such a short title. I've had troubles with the Akatar series. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Haley, welcome to Ready to Be Romance. I'm so excited to chat with you. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your podcast? Yeah, I am a longtime, I don't want to say like hopeless. Stop the way that you're already starting with that. Like, fucking dead. That is so cute. I'm sorry. Like, this. I'm I'm just like a I'm like a dreamy dreamy Libra girl like and I'm I've just been Libraing out since like birth basically I've always loved a story with a happy ending um I've always been a big reader because I had big feet and a tiny body and I couldn't participate in any sports um so I turned to books um and I've always loved the happy ending and the cute looks you know romance and then that has kind of like led to where I am now which is you asked me about my podcast I podcast about the bachelor bachelorette bachelor in paradise all of those series I've always loved again the shows with a happy ending um and I know the bachelor <laughs> doesn't always have those but you know it's fun to, fun to hope I, we always find ourselves at the end of the season being like I really think these two crazy kids are gonna make it and then like three weeks later they're like we've uh mutually decided to um end our beautiful loving relationship and this has been such a journey and then like I'm like what a crushing blow to the heart so I have always this has always been the world I have lived in I was so excited when you started this podcast because it could not be more up my alley I love just listening to all the little episodes but I'm finding myself read other books (laughs) read other books first of all um, and then like place holds on the library. So you can never text me be like, Hey, did you like the episode that comes out that came out this week? <laughs> yeah. Ask me in six no, weeks when the hold comes in. That's the worst part about that. Yeah, I have that issue too. Like, have you always, so you're saying that you've always read romance? Like, so I guess you read oh. YA. Yeah. Like I read YA. Like I, I would say like my major influence was like Sophie Kinsella books. I felt like those were actually like really good entries into the romance genre especially when I started reading them it was like 13 or 14 and they're not like heavily intercourse like they're very light on the intercourse like that was kind of like a good entry and then like into the deeper um I would say I don't do hardcore smut I do like Mm -hmm. loving yeah that's fair I I go like back and forth it depends on the mood but I also read all the Sophie Kinsella books we should talk about those that's so funny because I'm I'm pretty sure we like, should put yeah, me literally. in for another episode. I'm pretty sure those books, it's like the romance is off the page, right? Yeah. Like once in a while you'll get like a, like, and, yeah, you know, yeah. we were up all night or like we had sex all night or whatever, but it's not like <laughs> he slipped his engorged member into the lady folds that are just waiting for him. You know, it's not yeah, like that. Oh my God, those books are so fucking funny. What tropes do you like? Like I, this is one of your tropes, Regency regency novels i love a regency i cannot <laughs> help myself i don't know what it is i love a ball i love a I love a woman who doesn't have to have a job she just has to be pretty well i find like a lot of these books um like i'm sure in the regency t- times like the women were um like softer um and we kind of like get those in the secondary characters oftentimes it'd be like oh this person has always been able to like walk with grace but a lot of the leads of the ro- regency romances i'm reading like they're not like 
boring women like they you know will stand up for themselves like it's always noted that they're clever and like funny and you know have a quick wit and stuff like that so I, I like those I like that my I would say my ultimate trope is a true enemies to lovers like actually hate each other and then just make out I hate the ones that are like the guy has actually always loved her. Um, like that's not yeah. my thing. That's yeah. the girl being an yeah. idiot and like not yeah. being that's so fair. Yeah, like where it's like it's the uh, older brother's friend, and they like you know tease the younger sister, but they're like actually obsessed with her. <laughs> like that's not true. Enemies lovers. No, no. Like or like I hope it's okay if I spoil a couple of these, but like the right. hating game, like not right, true right, right. enemies yeah. lovers. Um. The yeah. Spanish love deception, not true yeah. enemies to lovers. Like, it's just the girl yeah. being a hater. Which is fair. But, like, yeah. Like, fair enough. But, yeah. like, that's not what I want. I want the sparkling chemistry of two people who cannot stand each other. And it's because of how, like, totally. into that's, each other they are. That's why I like they friends to lovers. But, like, it just doesn't hit, like, enemies to lovers. No. Yeah, so I, those are my, that's my, like, number one, and I feel like it's not done well a lot, so when it is done well, I'm very excited by it, um, so if you have any good enemies to lovers, slide into my DMs. Yeah, and they can find you at your bookstagram. I have a bookstagram, at the Strong Library. Yeah, super funny uh, reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, like, Here's the thing. I wish that I could have a bookstagram where I review like you do, where you're putting like paragraphs of details about like the main characters and stuff like that. It's like sometimes I have finished a book, I've rated it on Goodreads, and then I do not remember the plot, the characters' names, or like anything about them to write anything. Well, I have to go on Goodreads and be like, okay, let me read. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I remember how I, but I always remember how I feel about it, exactly, right? Like, I'm always like, yeah. I know yeah. what it struck in me and it's almost like nice to have that format where I write those things down because I find personally if I write something down then I can like remember yeah. what it is that happened so I find myself like in that exercise writing it down like I can I my recall is better on like oh like I read this book and this is why I liked it or like even who I'm talking to like would this book be able to be recommended to that person based on what I know and like I have a lot of people who come to me and be like like, I know, like, we have the same taste. Like, I know if you like it, I'll like it. And if you don't like it, I also won't like it. So, like, that's fun to have those communities or, you know, people getting a grasp of my taste. I mean, like, you should read this one. I yeah. think you'll like that. That's and that, best. like, a big a big one last year was um, The Seven-Year Slip by Ashley Poston. I had somebody be like, I really think you'll like this one. And reading the description, I was like, IDK, man. Like, it was, like, a time jump romance. I was like... I don't know, but I absolutely loved it. And it was probably my favorite book I read last year. Okay, I'm going to add that to my TBR because I've actually never read that one. It's really good. Yeah, it's so funny. Okay, so you're convincing me to do better at this because I will say with this podcast, like I know this is getting into the weeds and then we can like actually talk about the book. But like, <laughs> like I think people are here for the weeds. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I hope so too. But like I sometimes am rushing so much for the dopamine hit of like the climax of the book mm -hmm. like sometimes like true climax and literal climax the or like literally finishing the book and like marking it on my little fucking goodreads account that 
I feel like I like rush through, but this podcast, like the books that I actually have to spend time on and Mm -hmm. like really read and like write down things, I've enjoyed so much more. So maybe this is like a little bit of a, a lesson for me or like a reflection that it's like I should spend a little bit more time or like write something down or something because it's so funny. All the books I've covered so far in this podcast, I'm like, these are like four star books, five star books. Yeah. And like, so many books I read I'm like two stars like three stars like let's move on to the next thing Mm -hmm. I know what you mean because I can be like that too and I am like a very quick reader but not in like a way where I'm reading like 120 books a year like that's just not me yeah I go through I go through really big ebbs and flows and so people have been like you read a lot but it's in January I will admit I did read nine books which is like extreme for me that's but I'm a book rereader so you know, I started reading The Duke and I, and I couldn't stop. So I read the next three in the series <laughs> yeah. after that, too. But I've read those ones before. Like, I've read The Viscount Who Loves Me, and I'm not kidding, and this is embarrassing, at least 50 times. Just because it's one of those, like, comfort books. You put on The Office because, like, it's just comfortable, and you don't have to, like, really take it in. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if I'm in a reading slump, I'll pick that one up because that usually, like, jump starts me. And so, like, my husband and I were having this conversation. He's like, well, you read books too fast and you read too many that you're, like, not taking them in. And I disagree. I, some of them, sure, maybe I'm not taking in. Like, the Tessa Bailey ones, I tried not to, like, hold that into my being because I just can't have it live there. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I read the Ballad of the Songbirds and Snakes at the beginning of the month. And I have made the Hunger Games my entire personality for the last four weeks. Yeah, my friend owns the book. She's going to give it to me so I can read the paperback. But, like, we went and saw the movie together. And it really stirred something in me that was dormant for years. (laughs) So long. And, like, when the Hunger Games originally came out, like, I was in my... um, not apocalyptic but like what was it What's oh it? yeah no we were yeah you know that like you know that like yeah you know, dystopian, dystopian, yes dystopian. oh yeah I, I was there yeah. with you <laughs> and the hunger games i love so much but i couldn't reread them because they gave me such intense nightmares and i was yeah. also starting my giant survivor rewatch at the exact same time so i'd have all these really weird survivor hunger games crossover dreams so i could never go back and reread those but I started seeing clips on TikTok about like the movie of Songbirds and Sinks. And I was like, I think I got to watch this. But I, you know, if I'm going to watch it, I have to read it. So I read it and I was like, I have to read The Hunger Games again. So I did. I still got nightmares. Yeah, but it was just yeah. so good. I forgot like how good it was. And now my whole FYP is just hot, like Josh Hutcherson like edits. Oh my God. What about Tom Blythe though? Like I know. Yes. But I am like such a PETA girl. I always have been. Always yeah. will be. I love a soft man who bakes bread. Like mm-hmm. that is just like everything. I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm into this. Yeah. Okay. The, and please like, we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I haven't had a married girl on the pod is. Oh my gosh. I forgot. Is your, I forget regularly. is your husband, do you feel like he, has some qualities of your favorite like book boyfriends oh that is interesting <laughs> does he do any of the <laughs> the book boyfriend like tropes like the the did he lean on the wall when he was like wooing you or like did he like graze your fingertips I mean, in an art gallery or <laughs> i came on to him I feel oh like, that's okay. like yeah. i was the one who's like we should go out sometime um love that you know, those kinds of things um he is also a soft man like he is very delicate he's not gonna like 
I'm I'm not into the men who like hit the wall because they're so angry with jealousy. Not for like no jealousy, thank you. Like I don't that doesn't do it for me. Like the ones who are like, I'm so upset, like not for me. Like I like a soft man who's like, Hey, I got you this small gift that like I knew you'd like. Like I like gifts and he's a good gift giver. Yeah, he's probably like a well, yeah, he's definitely like the type of guy I like in a book too. I love that. That's so I know. I'm like re- like- I'm having to like reevaluate everything I've ever done. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like the anxiety of like, oh no. Yeah, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I need to divorce this man. No. I agree that like reading jealousy and that type of stuff on the page is fun, but it's like IRL, you don't want that toxic man. Like No. Yeah. So that's nice. I want yeah, I just want somebody who's nice to me who'll yeah. go off and like soft girl walks and like that's it like that's all I want I love and like that. he's and he's got it more into reading too as like you know because I read a lot um we do not read the same genre of books so it's always funny like he'll look over my shoulder and be like what are you <laughs> that's the worst when someone asks what are you reading it's like don't fucking ask me that question <laughs> like, I was reading like icebreaker and he like looked over my shoulder and he's like what? <laughs> what? No, like you're not like no. That's no. Mm-mm. No, um, that's like why well, I got a Kindle is because I couldn't. I can't bring these hard copies on, on the bus. Kindle. I was <laughs> reading it on my Kindle, and he like was like, he like caught one word and was like, um. Or a couple weeks ago, he was reading um, the Long Walk by. It's by Stephen King. It's the pen name is different on it. Um, and so I read the Wikipedia page so we could have the conversation about it. And then I started reading A Court of Thorns and Roses. (laughs) So he read the Wikipedia page about it. And so like when I finished, he was like, what about this part? What about this? (laughs) He's like, this was the most, he was like, what? That doesn't make sense. He's like, what is, like, what are you reading? No, half the shit doesn't make sense. Yeah. So we have a very different taste in books. That's fair. Uh, Okay. Let's get into it. I want to say off the bat what Regency romance is because as a like relatively new romance reader, I like did, I like kind of knew, but like didn't really know, but it's a subgenre of romance novels set during the British Regency, which is 1811 to 1820 or the early 19th century. And a lot of it has like references to the ton, which we'll talk about social season rankings like duke viscount etc balls operas dinner parties carriage rides house calls like it's it's so fun i was like i know we didn't have rights then (laughs) we were and we were treated as and like you and i (laughs) would not be in the ton we were like the ladies maids or you know printing press girlies like we are not going to these balls unless we are serving them no the whole time i was watching the first season and looking at daphne's like fucking swan neck and i was just like i i'd be like the philippa featherington or something if i was in society but like no, like 100%. And I know we were treated as like second class citizens, but like there's something that's just so fun about like going to a ball, sleeping in, uh, just eating snacks and doing hobbies. And then having like, tea every day at the same time and you get yeah. snacks with it. You like, you get lunch and then you get tea time with more snacks and then you get dinner. Like that's my dream. 
I know, literally. I'm, and then just like going on like a nice walk around a park. Like, oh, all I love of those walking around parks. It sounds so good. And I know yeah. a lot of it's like heavily romanticized in these yes. books, but I'm like, fuck, like, take me back. <laughs> <laughs> take well, me back but it's not my vacation it's to regency england oh and like a lot of it you can like they'll be like this wife actually hates her husband and it's like okay i wouldn't want to be locked into that totally totally yeah one yes. of the interesting like actual historical aspects of this is that like it is called the regency era because near the end of king george whatever number he was i'm not good at numbers not for me thank you he had some sort of um mental illness or you know it kind of comes off as like like dementia or alzheimer's or something like that so he wasn't with it by the end of his reign and so the prince regent was kind of the acting ruler at the time so that's why they call it the regency era um you know like the victorian era that's queen victoria or like you know the the edwardian king edward you know you know elizabethan's queen elizabeth was yeah um, you know Okay, why did I just learn more in those two sentences than I ever did in, like, a history class? Like, uh, Watch somebody, like, message you and be like, what Haley was saying is not. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, no, I feel like. But I said it was confidence that you believe what I said. No, but it, like, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you didn't get the memo, we are discussing the Duke and I. And season one of Bridgerton, uh, but we will not talk about anything that comes after that, so we won't spoil you. But there'll be spoilers for that book and that first season of TV. Written by Julia Quinn. Um, and I've got some fun facts about her when we do our internet investigation. But this book was published in January on January 5th, 2000. So this is like a, a almost 25-year-old book. Yeah, and some of the aspects of it feel 25 years old um and there's a real difference in the writing of this if you put it next to say the queen charlotte book that came out kind of as like a side piece to um the tv series where that feels like like we're not dealing with it or not that we're not dealing with society like we're kind of like commenting on those issues more like it feels more current than this like there are some aspects in the duke and i where in 2023 2024 we're getting we're cringing about like the actions where in 2000 like it may not have been the case for us to be like totally and sometimes that's why it's tough for me to read regency books because it's like i so have my 2024 brain on but yeah I could I could see why people had nothing to say in 2000 and now we have like a lot to Mm -hmm. check in about but also like I think that makes sense for Daphne because she is that bitch that like no offense like love her like but like airhead like she's not commenting on societal issues no no and she wasn't like taught to like it's yeah you know and because she she had the the weight on her shoulders of being the first daughter. Like mm-hmm. she was like, she had to be like a wife and a mother and that's all she was trained to do where that almost takes the pressure off for a later character like Eloise, where, you know, we saw it, especially in the show. I feel like they kind of really went on on that. Like, well, I'm glad that pressure's on you and that I don't have to bear it. And they lived very different lives, even though they're in the same family. Totally. Totally. So let's get into the book. Um, in the prologue, we meet our main character, Simon. Simon Bassett, who's the Duke of Hastings. 
we learned that his mom passed away during childbirth and that his dad lived in London, but he was raised in the countryside. And that's because he didn't speak until he was four. And when he did start to speak, he had a stutter and like a lisp. For some reason, stutters like get me so like get me in the heart so much just because it's such a when you listen to his inner monologue about when he's getting flustered and starting to stutter again like I literally was like weeping you're like oh I just want to give you a hug I know I know and it's we entered the book and it's present day which is 1813 and then we meet our other main character who is Daphne Daphne Bridgerton uh as you said the eldest daughter of the Bridgerton clan she's combing over a scandal sheet that is written by Lady Whistledown with her mom Violet Bridgerton what I would give for a scandal sheet about my neighborhood I mean right like I get it you and I, we're the gossip girlies. We love, we love, you have a whole podcast on it. Like of just being like, okay, so here's what happened this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are, you are Lady Whistledown. <laughs> yeah, in some sense, yes. I guess I, we would probably have to give that to Dumois nowadays. Sure, but like, sure, sure. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But like, no, totally. Like I fucking love this concept. So basically they're saying that. The scandal sheet randomly showed up at their door, um, but now you have to, like, buy it for five cents from a paper voice. I know. So it's like she marketed that extremely well, where she was like, I've got you looped in, um, but now you have to pay for it. And we learn more about their family, that there's eight kids, and they're all named alphabetically. So we have Antony, Benedict, Colin, Daphne, Eloise, Francesca, Gregory, and Hyacinth. And they are in upper-class English society, which is also known as the Tun. And these are people that are from nobility, gentry, or royalty. And, like, yeah, you're right. We would be the, the like, ladies' handmaid or whatever. I would love to be a lady's maid, though, for, like, a nice family. That sounds like a great time. Like, you just kind of, like, do their hair. I know people are going to – I'm getting canceled already. They're like, no, you're, like, taking out their, like – buckets of like pee or whatever but like I'm pretty sure some French braiding and call it a day literally like I just want to put the rouge on my lady's face and call it put it put on her diamonds and send her out to a party and it's the top of the season so the season it runs from late January to early July and this is when parliament reopens in London and there's a season of social entertainment Uh, where families with children of marriage age would use this time to present their children to possible suitors uh, because obviously arranging a profitable marriage is good for the family. So we meet Anthony, the eldest son, and he's having a drink with an old friend, which is Simon. So I was kind of confused about this because... It seemed like they were 28. They had met in college when they were in the early 20s. And then this is like six years later. Mm -hmm. So kind of a a little bit of an age gap because Daphne is not 28. No, I think she is maybe 20 or 21 in the book. There are age gaps in in, in the series. Right. Um, 
they almost shrink the age gaps in the show to make it, I think, maybe a little more palatable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in this time, these men, like, are not ready to settle down. Like, they are not settling down until their late, like, late 20s at the earliest, early 30s. It's, like, not expected for them. Like, they are supposed to be sowing their wild oats so that they can respect their wives when they get to that point. I hate this so much. Like, it's, like... I know, I know, like, it's it's so bothersome, but, like, no, I get it, I get it. So, Simon's, like, recounting that he just got back from London, he was traveling abroad, but his dad passed away, so he was, like, able to come back to, like, clean up all the affairs and uh, attend Lady Danbury's ball, which, which is his godmother, which is, you know, obviously a huge part of the uh, TV series, and... You know, they're rakes. They're considered, both of them are, like, kind of considered, like, very eligible bachelors. Simon kind of has, like, a like a reputation of being a little bit arrogant. But we learned that his arrogance is just because he pauses to speak so he doesn't stutter. I know. It's, like, so sweet almost. I know. And he, like, he's, like, well, I'm not going to correct them. Like, totally. I'll I'll let them think that. That he's, like, a haughty, um yeah like arrogant asshole like kind of love they attend lady danbury's ball and we meet some of the other brothers benedict and colin and yeah again like the bridgerton's obviously like high status and that they're like hot and that you know girls want to court them or form an attachment with them or whatever they're not ready for that. None of the Bridgerton boys are willing They want to go to Whites and they want to get drunk and like do debaucherous stuff at brothels. <laughs> like, they sure do. So enter Simon and he hears a couple breaking up in like a hallway and he goes to save the girl, quote unquote. And she like <laughs> witnesses Daphne punching this man, Nigel Burbrook, who is like way older than her and trying to like win her hand in marriage and he doesn't know that it's Antony's younger sister Daphne. You know, I forgot about this moment because it had been a while since I had read the book um, and I was it, it was kind of a fun entrance to her because she seems so much more like exciting than your typical debutante um, and the show also are we going to talk about the show like later or, like alongside? We can do both. Okay, because, like, Nigel is looked to be way more nefarious in the show than in the book. Like, in the book, he's more of just kind of, like, a bumbling idiot, and that kind of continues throughout the series. Um, But in the show, he seems like a rapist, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, so fucking creepy. And, yeah, this is the thing about Daphne that, at least, again, in my limited knowledge, that makes me really like this book compared to other Regency novels is because the way that her relationship is with her brothers and her family and like the way that she like I know in the especially in the tv show they're like always hitting the nail over or like beating a dead horse about marriage like the best foundation is friendship and all of this stuff but it's like this is like truly what they develop and Mm -hmm. you get to see they're like really fun interactions throughout the book so they meet and she goes like who are you and he says my intention was to be your rescuer but it's clear that is not needed and he's just like oh my god this girl is like so hot (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, he, like, literally can't even listen to what she's saying because he's so, like, overcome with her beauty. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, like, so funny to me because, like, one of the favorite, um, like, through lines throughout the series is, like, how much every Bridgerton looks exactly alike. So I'm like, does he want to make out with Antony, too? (laughs) Probably. No, that's so true. Which it's, like, a little bit downplayed in the TV series. But, like, in the books, it's, like, they have the same chestnut, like, thick hair and, like, the same eyes and all of this stuff. That's, like, what they're known for is, like, looking similar and, like, having, you know, a huge brood of children. So, I don't know, this is, like, a really cute moment. He, like, thinks she's going to, like, swoon over him. Uh, but she knows... Grow up, Simon. <laughs> no, I know. I was like, okay. But, like, <laughs> she... She's like, no, I, like, know about you and you're a rake, which is, like, a again, like, a bachelor that doesn't want to settle down. And they decide to help Nigel um, up from his current condition on the floor. And they're talking about, like, how they can get him out to a carriage without making things look sus. But then, like, Nigel, like, kind of gets up and, like, pushes Daphne into the wall and they're like okay we'll just like fucking leave him there like let's just go back to the ball like we don't need to help this man out and the whole thing about Simon at these balls is that he doesn't want marriage so meaning he doesn't want all these women being thrown at him because in his heart he has made a vow because he hated his father so much that he will never, you know, get married or have kids and pass down his family name. Brutal, brutal vow to make in like a time so of brutal. Grief. Yeah, so brutal. But at, when he goes to these balls, like all these girls are approaching him with their mamas who are like trying to make a match for their daughters. So like we meet the Featheringtons, who of course is Prudence, Philippa, and Penelope. Um, also huge characters in the TV series. When Lady Featherington is like, hey, uh, like, are you going to ask my daughters to dance or something like that? He's like, I can't actually. I'm dancing with Daphne. So they um, go and have a little dance. Would you be good at Regency era dances? No. 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 Whenever they talk about like the grace and light, not me. I have never, I've never been graceful for a single second in my entire existence. No, literally. That's how I want to imagine myself again, being one of these girls at the ball. But it's like, no, I'm the, again, hard, like many people have said that I'm not a light walker. Like I am, I am behind the scenes preparing the like canapes or whatever. Uh, Yeah. I'm like at the lemonade table Um, (laughs) and like all of the choreography, they have to like learn and have just ready to rumble and know what songs go with what choreography. It's not happening for me. It's just not. Totally. 100%. I will say though, as an anxiety girl, I do like the concept of the booklets on the wrist. You know where you're going to be all night. (laughs) No, literally. It's like you don't. There's no surprises. You just write the man who you're dancing with in your little booklet. Um, And you also have a really easy excuse if someone asks you to dance and you hate them. Yeah. Cards full. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, sir. Whatever. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, your grace. <laughs> <laughs> so they're dancing and he proposes a deal with her. They would form a fake attachment. So because he has to go to all these balls, he doesn't want all these girls thrown at him. And Daphne's mother is like, again, trying to get her into a good marriage. So if they spend time together, he alleges that suitors will be jealous and view her more as a potential marriage candidate. And girls won't approach him because they know he's taken So it's a win-win for both of them, and she accepts. I was kind of like, do you think that this is actually a solid plan? Because would, like, would suitors actually be jealous if they were spending time together? Because Daphne is, like, always complaining in the book that people view her as a friend versus, like, a romantic partner. So does it really just take a man... Tech, like quote unquote looking at you in a different yeah. way for this to it like does. it does especially like a duke like looking at Daphne because yeah in the book they go really hard on the fact that like this is Daphne's second season and she hasn't yeah. had any luck because people like her but they don't see her as a romantic partner they see her as a friend in the show obviously she is the diamond of the first water and like everybody so I feel like this this plot line w- makes way more sense in the book than it does in the show yes because because in the show it's like oh she's desperate yeah yeah like yeah like pick anyone like anyone wants to be with you where in the show where in the book it makes way more sense why why they go with this plan god yeah and i do think it is a smart plan on their part okay okay i like this okay so of course they have to like make this ruse look real so the next day simon calls on daphne and like the plan is working she has tons of suitors calling on her um would you want to be called on if you were in Daphne's shoes yeah I want people to like me all the time (laughs) I want people to bring me gifts I love flowers yeah I want people to tell me to my face that I'm hot like it does sound (laughs) nice although like making small talk with everyone would be a hurdle for me um the fact that there'd be so many flowers would really balance that out. Totally. And you can talk about how, what like books you're reading. Cause that's what they always talk about. They're like, the topics are like, what books are you reading? What are you playing on the piano? What dances are you practicing? And like stuff like that. Like, I wonder what my Regency era skill would have been. Yeah. Because like, I have no musical <laughs> ability whatsoever. Yeah. I could probably embroider. Like I probably like that. Or, you know, like do some watercolors uh, <laughs> yeah. but, like any of the music no literally I'm not playing the piano forte no like, so they like their relationship is like flirty and it's like play arguing and stuff like that it's very cute she's teasing him about being a rake and stuff like that and he's like oh my god this girl can like keep up with me this is different from other girls that I've talked to she's not like other girls she, she's not like other girls <laughs> And one kind of hole in their plot and their scheming is that Anthony is gonna be pissed. So he like enters the room and he's like, I fucking know you from school. You're a pig. You don't deserve my sister at all. And like, there's no reason that you need to be courting her. And then so they they actually tell Anthony about the scheme 
Which also differs from the TV show because that obviously is like one of the like big cinematic things. Um, But he's like, there's no way that this is going to work or that I will let this happen. The Duke comes over for dinner at the Bridgertons. And this is also one of the sweetest parts about the series is that because he's an only child, because he didn't have parents growing up and you know he was just with adults all day when he's viewing the Bridgertons and their casualness and them eating dinner as a family and like Hyacinth throwing peas at Gregory and stuff like that he's like this is really fun and I really enjoy this and like I'm sad that this wasn't how my childhood was yeah, and it makes you feel for him. And I feel like you really do understand why Simon is the way that he is, even if I don't agree with how he goes about things. It's like, it was of the time. And like that, you know, I, it's hard to blame him almost because you're like, yeah, I, I, I get I get it. Totally. Like, even take out the revenge part of it, like against his father, it makes sense why he wouldn't want a family and stuff like that because he, he he's so scared that he would pass on this uh, impediment to his kid. And he, he's like, I don't want them to grow up like I grew up and stuff like that. So like, and it's it's all he he's ever known. He hasn't experienced, like he lived in the countryside alone. He was like tutored in his house and stuff by like a nurse or whatever. He's not like going to his neighbor's house and seeing how their family is and changing his mind. It's like truly he doesn't know any better. So it does really make sense. I think the part that starts getting a little sticky is when he's like not changing his mind when he sees stuff that's different but and also like not communicating it yeah (laughs) not yeah that's that's one of my least favorite tropes is when the issue could just be solved by talking to each other and I get it like that's not the point of books etc etc um but like just just literally say it out loud just say it out loud no 100% that actually kills me so much and it it's so realistic though because people just can't be vulnerable or like don't want to be vulnerable or whatever or like view that as embarrassing but that pisses me off so much when it's like if you literally just said something like things would be cleared up I hate when books like hinge on that but Daphne is explaining to Simon at one point like this is what I want for my life too like yes I want a husband for sure but really it's like I want children and like a big family Uh, She can't imagine her life being any different. I guess just like how Simon can't imagine his being any different. Um, um, She's like, oh my God, like, sorry. Like, you're an only child. Like, I didn't mean for that to offend you because he looks like fucking dead. And like, like, he looks clearly upset when she's explaining how much she like loves her family. And she notices that that, subject is touchy for him I don't know it's very very sad but she's so loving and caring that that's why they make so much sense because Mm -hmm. she hears him and sees him in this way and like still loves him regardless oh my god it's very cute he just can't get out of his own way no he truly truly can't he needs therapy (laughs) he needs therapy yeah So they keep going to social events and like Daphne is like 
starting to forget that their courtship is fake, which again yeah. would be me. Like <laughs> she's Whoops, like, oh. I'm in love. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh fuck, I forgot this was a. Yeah, she like begins to fall in love with him, and their relationship kind of reaches like a boiling point where she is like wants to pursue him in a way that is um, inappropriate for women of this time. So I think what happens here is uh, another Duke interrupts them having a conversation. And he's like, I have some letters for you from your dad. And Simon's like, don't need those. I hate my dad in so little words. And he goes outside and the Duke ends up giving the letters to Daphne because he notes that, you know, that's an important person in Simon's life. She goes out to comfort him. Where do you think she's storing these letters? Like, you think the dresses are that big that she can just, like, tuck them in somewhere? She doesn't have pockets or anything. No, I don't understand that part. No, that's a good point. And their purses, like, tiny. Like, they're, I guess they're called purses or, like, little handbags. Like, they're, like, little satchels. I don't know. It's teensy tiny. Have have you seen, um, it was pretty recent, nor, like, the, uh, like, bouillon cube company did like a, a social media campaign where they had like these tiny little purses that could only fit one bouillon cube that's what i picture them carrying around it's truly like that because at this time do they even have like to go cosmetics i don't think so yeah so what would you even carry in the purse i guess your your list of men that you need to dance with or, yeah, but that's tied to your wrist. You don't need, you need oh, that. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'd put, like, one single eclair in there if I get started. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't even need a house key because you have servants to open your doors. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> what? A life. <laughs> so, yeah, Davini's consoling Simon. Um, and they... He notices that as they're talking, she eases his tension. And he's, like shook to his core because like again he doesn't have a person in his life that really does this and they're starting to talk about other things like the stars and because he had just traveled around um and she had has never been outside of like the english countryside he's telling her about how the stars look different in the southern hemisphere is this true Yes, but I wonder how much different it like the sky obviously looks different based on where you are. Like the sky yes, you yes. and I would look at are different, different. just on, based on where we are. Um from like if we it's it's completely different in like Australia or like um you know Argentina cuz like it's a different tropic like you are looking at different right. stars. I think science not my jam. Um but it would be different. I don't know if it would be extremely different um, if he's in North Africa versus England. That I'm not super sure about. I think it would be slightly shifted. But I don't know if it would be, like, completely different. Yeah, because he goes to the West Indies and I think Northern Africa. Which is, like, along yeah. a similar line of latitude. Yeah, yeah. So, like, those would be... S- similar right Mm -hmm. but i'm trying to think because they're on like different sides of the globe now i'm trying but because you're shifting i don't know i don't know oh i didn't take astronomy in university yeah neither neither did i so she's like i know i should want to travel like i want to be an adventurous like independent woman i want to be the type of woman that men write poetry about and he says you are the type of woman men write poetry about (laughs) 
girl, lock this man down. Um, (laughs) And she like kind of goads him to following her into the garden because she knows that they can like be alone, like properly alone for the first time. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, we can't do this. Like, your honor and stuff like that. Like, She's like, I don't care about my honor. I just want to make out with you. Like, let me be. Literally, it's so funny. Um, And he's like, I promised Anthony, like, I would treat you well. And, like, I don't go back on my promises and stuff like that. And he's like, don't do this. Like, Like, it's something that, like is so like it's so funny because he's like don't walk into the garden (laughs) because i will follow you and i will kiss you like there's like it's like there's no greater it's like she's committing a crime or something like that and it's so funny but she's like squaring her body off like she's fucking ready to go yeah and she's like <laughs> one of these tits is about to be loose like yeah. that's another thing my boobs are too big for this era <laughs> like, like the dresses it would be like i don't even have that big of boobs but it would just be like it it would just be like uh, there i'd be risking a nip slip at all times no literally the dresses that davini wears it's like fucking only for flat chested bitches and then like yeah if i like had those push-up bras that the older women wear my boobs would be at my chin (laughs) like it's just it's so unfortunate no truly yeah she's getting ready he presses her up against a hedge that doesn't seem like it would work it never does, but this is in every, like, fucking book I've ever read. <laughs> like, As somebody who owns hedges. Yeah. They're, you would just go back, back into them. I don't know. Maybe, he, maybe like, a nice stone wall or something. Totally, like a fountain ledge or whatever. <laughs> and he kisses her, and not, like, a gentle suitor. <laughs> like, like a rake. Like, like a, a rake. Noir. And she's, like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> like we're in love this is like changed my life um but of course anthony who i always want to call anthony finds them and they kind of get into a little bit of a with her tit out you know you're glossing over the fact that her out no literally because i i want to protect her her i know but you can't and anthony's like is that a boob no put it away Literally, her her dress fully rips down the front. Her boob is out. And the worst part, then she falls into some brambles. And she's just <laughs> sitting there, but she can't move. Because she does, she doesn't want to get tangled up in these, like, I don't know. I, I imagined, like, rose bushes or something like that. I um, feel like I would rather get tangled in that than have my boob out. I know, literally. I know. I would risk it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No. I would risk it all. And um, so they're, like, punching each other and stuff like that. And Antony's like, you have to marry Daphne. Meanwhile, she's, like, in the bush still. And he's like, okay, like, um, I can't do that. So the only other option is a duel. <laughs> and, and Daphne's like, okay, you'd literally rather die than be with me? 
Like, I could not survive that. Daphne is a stronger woman than I. No, and she's like, no, I'll just, like, keep pursuing this. I was like, I would have left the country by mm-hmm. now. Like, she's like, I'll just go stop the duel. I would have been um, <laughs> running into the street and hoping a horse and like carriage, a carriage hits me. Like, me over, yeah. No, literally. Not a chance. I'm surviving that embarrassment. Totally, I mean, like, totally. it's a real two for one of, like, my boob being out and being rejected in front of my brother. No. Mm-mm. That's no. over. It is game over. Yeah, you flash your brother your boob. You, like, look like a dummy because you one boob's out and you're in, like, <laughs> in brambles. In brambles. And, and the then... love of your life is like, no, 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 you can shoot me so I don't have to marry her. <laughs> yeah. Let me look at her right now. Would you marry someone like what? <laughs> she's embarrassing she's stuck in brambles <laughs> again this would be my end like oh my god that's so fucking sad i will say <laughs> he does help her he does he, okay but yeah i will not marry you i'd rather die but let me get you out of the rose bush so at least you were even <laughs> yeah literally so the duel is the next day at dawn or whatever. It's like illegal. So it's like secret. And Colin helps Daphne figure out where the location is. And like, is like, I need your help. I love this man. And we need to like save him. And the men are at the field. Again, just like the toxic masculinity of a duel. It's just like... Like, like, truly men grow up. I know. Like, like grow up. It's so brutal to witness. But Daphne arrives and she's like, this duel isn't happening. Like, we can just get married. And, like, again, he's, like, adamant that he can't and won't marry her. And, like, just the gall in this girl again. I'm, I'm way too fragile for this. And then she's like, okay, but actually... Though I will say, like, even if you're dead, people saw us go out into the garden and, like, my social standing and reputation will be sullied. It'll be ruined if you don't just, like, marry me. So can you, like, please? She actually it up. Yeah, yeah. She actually says, like, Simon, save me. And he's like, okay, fine. I'll marry you. But I you. can't have children. yeah. He's like, here's the thing. Yes, I will save you. Yes, I will get married to you. But I'm so sorry that our lives, like, won't be fulfilled by children. And he explains that he can't have kids medically. And she's like... No, he doesn't say medically. He just says, I can't have kids and leaves it at that. I'm going to come for Violet Bridgerton in this one. Yeah. Because Violet didn't prepare Daph. No, truly, truly. No, you're right. She assumes it's medically. Yeah. He doesn't say it's medically. He just says, I can't have children. And she's like, oh, that would mean medically, not like philosophy-wise. That's fine. Totally, totally. And she's like, no, what? That's fine because I know you're a good man and our lives will be full regardless. So she's starting to get like stoked on her engagement, which again was a different story in the TV series. I forgot how like upset she was like even during their wedding ceremony like mm-hmm. absolutely yeah in the, in the book she's like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah like girl this man like announced that he was not marrying you <laughs> yeah. yeah literally um so she's like 
yeah, she's stoked. She gets her betrothal ring. They're like a little bit awkward, but she's stoked to be marrying him. The night before the wedding, like you mentioned, Violet the <laughs> gives the sex talk. She tells Daphne about her marital duty when it comes to her husband in bed and how they perform an, a distasteful act to like consummate the marriage. But she literally doesn't say anything else. Like she doesn't well, even no. say what it is. And I have some issues with this because like for Violet to be like, it's distasteful after she's been glomping on the whole series about oh it's so important to love and like I loved your father yeah. and like I love Daphne being like so you only did this eight times huh and Violet's well like I can't I'm mad at Violet for this like totally. you set your daughter up to fail by not like giving her a drawing or just being like this, this is, is what happens, happens. And this was for totally this is the one of the parts that i don't get either because it is shown that violet bridgerton does everything for her family and like wants daphne to be like successful and stuff like that in this way and i just don't see her not giving more of a an fyi to daphne yeah. at this point just like anything about it and like all she basically says is like this is the act that like you you have kids like this you do this you have children and so she's like well I guess I don't even have to worry about it because Simon can't have kids like he doesn't have a penis like he doesn't have one so like that's just what it is like I won't get boned ever um yeah that is the funniest part so she you're right because again she's so confused at what's happening she thinks now that when he, they said that he can't have kids it's that his like dick doesn't work <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> yeah but she learns that's not true and then so she's she, like, lear- she learns <laughs> that's not true and then so she's like what to say what <laughs> so anyway like okay we're jumping ahead but they basically they get married and she is again excited and they go to one of his other estates called Clifton Castle which we see in the TV series and it's where he grew up and they they rushed obviously because they didn't want any rumors about Daphne's reputation to get out there so they didn't have time to like book a like wedding trip or something like this this is also one of the most brutal things I've ever read on fucking paper so embarrassing I'm Uh, like reading it now I'm getting like Secondhand oh, embarrassment. So like, yeah. <laughs> so basically the the horse carriage ride is like three hours or whatever from London to the countryside and he fake sleeps because he doesn't want to talk to her. And she knows that he's fake sleeping because he she has seven other siblings and that's what siblings do when they want to like get out of stuff. Like at what point do you just throw yourself out of the carriage? <laughs> no, I know. But like, again, she's like, she trucks on. Like, she's just like, nope, I'm committed to the bit. Yeah. It's so bad. So she's like, okay, I feel like we need to stop at an inn because this is like a two-day trek or whatever. Like, we can't just get there at midnight. Like, I'm going to be, like, too tired or whatever. Like, I just, I want to stay overnight at an inn. And he's like, okay, well, like, this is good because I can't, like, bed her at an inn. (laughs) But because they didn't book anything, they arrive at the inn and there's only one room. So they can't get separate rooms. So he's like, fuck, like, my plan is being foiled. And I also just love the romance genre. Like, it's so diverse in so many ways but it's like we just read 
a court of mist and fury and they do the in one bed and it's like then we have the duke and i written 25 years ago in one bed like (laughs) we've been doing this for a long time literally and i also love that she's like no 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 i want you to fuck me and he's like no that's okay and she's like because you can't right like that doesn't work and like that's the one thing where he's like the goods work yeah (laughs) that's his breaking point like no literally his reputation of being like an eligible bachelor yeah so they like get to the room and she's like oh like i assumed you can't have sex because you told me that you can't have kids and and he's like okay but do you actually know what sex is <laughs> like let's she's start, like nah. let's start at Mm-mm. that point and then he's like i'll show you which is very cute and then he like yeah like i guess like changes his mind real quick like you said but when they have sex he ejaculates on the sheets and we he pulls see out this, he's a pullout princess he's a, we see this like time and time again but because Daphne doesn't know anything she doesn't know that that's like quote unquote like weird hear me out more people in this era should have been using this method also if you don't have condoms (laughs) this is getting so gross sorry everybody also if you don't have condoms I would prefer you to pull out like please like this sounds great except for then it's on the sheets and then you're like sleeping and no like, yeah there's too much roll like and they roll over and just like call yeah, it a night like, yeah 100 percent. and no that's so true and i hate <laughs> i hate that so much so she's like fucking stoked because she's like oh my god like i didn't know that sex existed i didn't know it could be like good also and like i don't know maybe we can fix this little prob that you have so they arrive at his estate and she's talking to his head housekeeper, Mrs. Coulson, um, about his childhood. And she learns like so much more about the family, that his mom was really lovely and they, the, the parents always wanted kids. She felt so bad when her mom kept, you know, quote unquote, like getting her courses and um she says like how simon worked so hard to improve himself to impress his father but every time he would like try to prove his father wrong he just like wouldn't accept him as his child and daphne didn't know any of this obviously it was hinted but the detail she didn't even know that he had a speech impediment so she's like oh my god like this is really really sad and like something that I wish I could save him from basically and Mrs. Coulson is saying about like basically how kids are made is basically what she's telling Daphne and it's like yeah where were you Violet Bridgerton at least Mrs. Coulson has the balls and I like how they did this in the show like she goes to her lady maid and she's like girly girl you just gotta tell me the mechanics of this like what is it what's the thing and the girl's like okay let's go here (laughs) yeah Yeah. no that i i liked that part too so she realizes what has been happening because every single time they have sex he spills his seed on the bed so she approaches simon and and she's so mad at him she's like you took advantage of my stupidity it's not that you can't have children it's that you don't want to and she's like i know everything about your dad and like your family life and he's like oh my god so they like fully like part ways at this time and like I actually didn't remember when I was thinking about because like of course I watched season one in 2020 and then I 
didn't watch it again till now I forgot how like they really break up for like a lot like they are like yeah broken up for like months yes yeah like it was like serious like I I really brushed over that but basically she's like I don't want to sleep in the same bed bedroom as you anymore like I'll be over in the duchess chambers and you can be over there and he goes out and gets like absolutely obliterated like just so fucking drunk and he goes to Daphne's room and he's like yelling after her like Daphne Daphne like are you there and stuff like that um she's like okay you can like stay in my bed because he's like can you just stay with me the night like blah 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 it's like it's very sad. He's like, you know, upset about his father. She's saying like, no, you won against him. Like you're a successful man. Like having this vow that you won't have kids like is just hurting yourself. It's not making you like win against your dead dad. And this is like the, this is the toughest part of the book. Very much the toughest. And it's like, it almost in 2024 makes the book genuinely unreadable. No, literally, I was like, <laughs> should I be, like, promoting this? I, <laughs> they, I, like, <laughs> no, literally, because also they, and we'll talk about this, they don't change it in the fucking TV show. No. So, yeah, it, it's fucking brutal. Like, So, basically, just in case you actually didn't read the book and are just here for the TV talk, Simon's drunk, but he wakes up partially. Like, you know, when you're in, like, a, it's like, he's still asleep, though, like, Let's not get that mixed up either. Like he, he's still loaded too. Yeah, like he's he's, he's drunk. Still. He's like in that like dozing phase or whatever where you're like yeah half awake half asleep. But his dick is hard, and she's like oh my god. A I again because she knows nothing. She's like I didn't know that that can happen when you're like not like having sex and stuff like that. And then she's like oh my god like I can like I can use this to my advantage. Yes, and so she she starts having sex with him like she goes on top and he's like moaning and stuff like that yeah he like wakes up and is into it but also yes. still drunk. <laughs> yes yes and like you still started having sex with him when he was like asleep so it's not consensual so he like is like oh my god you've like never been on top before like blah 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 like they're enjoying it but because he was so out of it he realizes like because he's just like past the point of return he's gonna come and he can't stop, like, flip her over and pull out or anything like that. And at the same time, he's realizing that she planned this. So obviously he's so upset and he leaves. And she's upset because she's like, I hurt this person that I love. And she's like, can't remember at the time. She's like, was this, like, did I take advantage of him? Was this by accident? Like, what happened? Like, it went by in such a blur that I just, like, don't remember he doesn't come back like he literally like two months pass and they don't see each other he sends her a letter that's like if you get pregnant from that time like give me an fyi but like if not basically don't (laughs) yeah and he's like marriage like as you know it is over and like we'll live separate lives and like be married in name only and if you have a kid like i'll take care of it but like we are money wise but like yeah but like mm -mm we're not like going to be together in that way. And so she goes back to London. She's like, her family's trying to cheer her up. She sends him a letter being like, I'm pregnant. And so he races to London, even though it takes him like two days. And he's like, I need to find her. And then he goes to the state and he's like, 
which I think is still his estate because he's like fucking rich. And he's like, where's Daphne? And the staff's like, she's out riding. And he's like, pregnant women can't <laughs> can't ride horses, babe. Yeah, like, even they knew that then. Like, yeah, yeah. Out yeah. of all the things they didn't know, they knew that. Totally. Um, so she's like, oh my God. So she, he like races after to find her. And then she's like, oh my God, someone's chasing me. She falls off and then he like catches up with her, takes care of her. And he's like, oh my God, like, is the baby okay? And stuff like that. And she's like, sorry, there's actually no baby. I thought I was pregnant, but then I got my courses. So I'm not pregnant, but I had already sent the letter. And I was like, yeah, this would suck. Like if you didn't have text message or whatever, like. <laughs> you can call him up and he's like no I realized with your letter and you falling off this horse that I want you I want you back I'm so sorry and she's like yeah like if you have a child again you win because you get to change the story you get to be kind and accepting to your kid no matter what they're like so they get back together yeah like they have a they have a really interesting conversation like a little bit earlier where they're arguing about it and like you know Simon kind of lets loose of like no like I've made this promise to myself because I hate my father so much like I can't let him win and she's like no 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 you let him win every time you do something out of spite like even in the bedroom when you're supposed to like be with me you're thinking about him every time you pull out yeah and he's just like you don't know you're a lady girl that was actually like a solid point for her argument though it's like this was before the sexual assault scene so totally totally because he was he's like no like I've been nothing but good to you and like hating my father doesn't really affect our relationship in that way if we remain childless and he's like no because like literally there's three people in our bed you me and the dad because every time dead dad Yeah. yeah every time you finish you're not thinking of me. You're thinking of your dad, which is like, again, solid point, girly. Mm-hmm. So they go back to the house and they're like, okay, the one hurdle we have to get over at this point is just the brothers because you have productive brothers and they're probably mad at me. And they're like, they are mad, especially. Anthony. Yeah, I think Anthony is the one who like went and got him and it was like, get over here. Totally, totally. Which he like, again, like didn't even really listen to. And they're like, okay, if you can like admit that you love her then like we will accept your marriage and I was like at this point I was like oh yeah they haven't even said I love you to each other <laughs> like it's it's me just be romance it's so fucking funny and he's like gulp but he pulls her aside and he's like I no I do love you and then they have like sex a million other times and he decides he wants to it's so funny that the book hinges it's like how do they <laughs> like move on from this it's like he just comes inside her. <laughs> yeah it's wild that this book is just central to ejaculation no it's so crazy like it's once only you start talking about it aloud no i know this whole fucking story just hinges on where he finishes <laughs> like, <laughs> oh boy you are oh it is not something i thought about yeah, fuck, it's so I try funny. not to think about it. No, me, me neither. And then, yeah, she gives him the letters. I don't even remember what was in the letters, but basically they're just... No, like- the, that's <laughs> the point, because they were so boring. They were just like, well, you may got to make sure that this person does this and this person does this. And like, Simon's right. like, oh, all those people are dead now anyway. Like, it does not matter. Yeah, he's just like, I've moved on and I'm 
entering this new era of my life. And then we get an epilogue because they live H-E-A and we get an epilogue and they've had four kids at this point, three girls and a boy, uh, Amelia, Belinda, Carolyn, and Caroline, and David. Lovely. There's a second epilogue. I haven't read it yet. Okay, maybe maybe don't until you read all of the books. Okay, okay, yes. Because it, so um, we can talk about this later, but um, just that Julia Quinn released a eight epilogues, like second epilogues for all the Bridgerton siblings. And they like spoil other what ones. happens in other books. So leave it until, until you read all of them. No, 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 that's smart. So, okay, let's get into like our like discussion, even though I feel like we've discussed a lot of this. Let's get into internet investigation. This is our cursory peruse of the internet of things you need to know. This was really interesting to me. Julia Quinn was at Yale in med school (laughs) when she found out that two of her novels, because she was just like a hobby author, were sold to fucking Avon Books in an auction. And so she's like, no, fuck it. I'm dropping out of med school and I'm going to become an author. Yeah, really like, good for her. It's funny. I It never occurred to me to like look into this woman's life at all. Me neither, really, until this, till this point. This was, I thought this was fun for you and I, but in 2001, she won $79,000 on The Weakest Link. That's crazy. Bring back that show. I love it. And then in the book, this just shows you, I again, this is something I love about romance novels is when they have interconnected books. But um, in the book, Simon briefly mentions Lady Danbury's nephew, Riverdale, which is a full other series about James Sidwell, Marquis yeah. of Riverdale. Julia Quinn does a really cool job of like interconnect, like overlaying her different series. So like the Bridgerton one is obviously the most popular. There's also like the Smith Smythe series, which takes place a little bit after like what this would be, but it lines up with another one of the Bridgerton books. What is it? The Rokesby ones are like way long, not way long ago, but like, like the Bridgerton's dad was like in this family. Oh, like right, we don't get right. his prequel, but we like talk about the neighbors or whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to think there's a there's like another little side series that also like connects in so they're all kind of like happening in the same world like along the same timelines like I find it really cool that we're getting like all the different perspectives of like the same events basically yeah I really really like that part okay our wonder why's these are unanswered questions for the listeners my under unanswered questions are just like why in these style of books does a touch of a hand feel like sex or better than sex like when he just like touches like the back of her like elbow in one of the because, balls like, I was like screaming yeah. I know because like that was like immodest to do that like you yeah. can't, can't even say her like first name like she is Miss Bridgerton to you sir that's so true let's get back to those <laughs> like I don't want I don't want men to be addressing me by my first name no <laughs> which brings me to like my second part of just like why do we like yearn and I know I guess it's not really an unanswered question it's like why do we yearn for a time like this it's because we they lived in walkable neighborhoods <laughs> they, they, they they didn't have uh like chores and they could just pursue their hobbies and they they had other pressures but 
I don't know, cri- the crippling cost of living, I guess didn't matter to these folks. Oh gosh, no, they're rich. They're rich. Yeah. Okay, our gripes and grumbles. These are nitpicky problems we have with the book. Okay, this was like the only one that I could really think of other than it hinges on ejaculation and that's like mm-hmm. fucking weird. There's so many times where Simon gets punched in the face in yeah, the like- early, like multiple times. Nigel, I think, like Antony... I think even Daphne does I Daphne know, I, at one I, point. Yeah, like Daphne, yeah. like this on my second read of this book, I was like, is Daphne violent? Because she knows like, multiple people. No, seriously. And it's like talked about like at the duel, like he's showing up with like two black eyes and like a swollen chin or something like that. And I'm like, okay, then they get married like t- three days later or two weeks later yeah. or whatever. His face is gonna look fucked. Like it's gonna yeah, be like he's brown. Like, yeah. Or yellow and green bruises. So that pisses me off. Our sequel scoop. This is the tea on any upcoming sequel seasons and the general reception. So obviously there was a huge boost in sales and ratings of the book when the TV show came out in 2020. And as I mentioned before, there's a second epilogue um, in the Bridgertons called the Bridgertons Happily Ever After. And... The next book in the series is The Viscount Who Loved Me, which also was published in 2000 and tells Antony's story. And it's easily my favorite book in the series. I know, I know. You've sold me on reading it next. No offense, I wasn't going to. <laughs> like, no, okay. I'm going to read it and then we can cover season two. Yeah, I know that's okay, the Okay, plan. okay. <laughs> I just invited myself here. <laughs> Perfect. And then we're going to read book four and then do Colin series like I thought that's what we were leading up to I no, thought we no, were doing no, it is. Month until no 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 we are before May 16th we have to cover you know we have to cover Queen Charlotte and season two and I'm there the book. I'm okay good. okay okay good okay perfect just, just, I'm just like I'm just like I'm like okay well I guess I'm like the person Tori will always come to talk to Bridget got a couple things to talk like I'm like okay great like I'll I'll make sure I have some time available in my calendar for this yeah perfect okay no I'm I'm down for that okay I love that let's talk about the tv show I wanted to talk about this so bad I obviously streamed on Netflix it was a Shonda Rhimes production so fucking huge budget obviously like you know she is Netflix's queen she's ABC's queen she's just like killing it for you know two decades now and it was released on Christmas day of 2020 and let me tell you this actually saved my I don't think I would have liked it as much if this didn't come out on Christmas day in 2020 I was in Victoria my parents did not live here they lived in Kamloops which was my hometown so me and my sister are spending Christmas together in Victoria like you know no gifts we live in apartments, so, like, you know, not not really a tree or anything. So we are, like, so depresso. I'm, I'm getting depressed hearing about it. No, it was, like, it With was love dark. in my heart. No, I know. Like, we were, like, FaceTiming our family on Christmas, like, because, again, it was just us. And you couldn't travel at this time. So what did we do? We binged this entire series. Like, in I think I watched it on Christmas in one sitting, I was like obviously obsessed with it for that reason. It has some notable members. There's Phoebe Divener, Dinefer, I don't know, whatever, who plays Daphne Bridgerton. She was also in Younger with Hilary Duff. Oh, was she really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I like her. Um, she comes in the later seasons. Uh, there's Regan Page, who is Simon Bassett. There's Jonathan Bailey as Anthony Brid- Anthony Bridgerton. Nicola Coughlin as 
Penelope Featherington. Adjoa Ando as Lady Danbury, who, you know, reprises her role in uh, Queen Charlotte. And Julie Andrews, who is Lady Whistledown's voice, which is so perfect. It's so good. It's so good. I really think they did such a fantastic job in this series. And I feel like people want to criticize it because it's a piece of media made for women and they just like want to find issues with it where I think they did so many things well um I think bringing a diverse cast into it and like you know putting the spin on like a historical mystery which was that Queen Charlotte like was suspected to have some African lineage and so to really like play on that and have the ton really open up to different faces and different races is really interesting and I feel like they do such a wonderful job of just like making it normal almost and being like and there's like mentions of it it's like this wasn't possible for us like in a short like in short history or whatever but I think it just is so brilliant and so beautifully done that it's like okay other shows you could also be doing this I think the costuming is incredible and it might not be like so good it might not be perfect to like what it was in the times, but I don't care. Like any of the people who are like, well, it's not historically accurate. No, I don't give a shit. It's beautiful. The totally. hair is incredible. Like the, the like sets are so gorgeous. So beautiful. Like it's such an aesthetically beautiful show. Totally. And I don't give a fuck. Cause it's like, we have pride and prejudice. Like we don't, we've seen the like dresses yeah. and stuff. We've seen the simple hair. Yeah, I don't need it to be so historically accurate. Like, it's a TV product. Like, I want it to be visually, like, exciting. Absolutely, 100%. Couldn't agree more. And, yeah, the costuming that you mentioned was incredible. And you can tell, like, again, because it was a Shonda production, that they just started off with a big budget, even though this was the first season. Because... They costumed, I think I wrote this down, but it was like over 500 people and there was like over 2000 costumes or whatever, because they were talking about when this was made that in a lot of like ball scenes in like big productions, the women wear like the same dresses basically because when they're background people because, or like very similar, um, because of money. But they made every single character, whether you just pass them once in the ball, like a unique dress and stuff like that to really capture what it would look like. And like, that's just incredible. And they like had some cool like Easter eggs in those costumes. Like the Featheringtons had a specific color palette, which like it did reflect the novels. Like, it, you know, we kind of hit on that. And we see that with the Bridgertons, they have these like really beautiful blues and light purples and like harmonious colors almost. Um, and we'll see it in the second season too. And we'll kind of see like how the costumes transition. Um, yes. Especially along with, with the storyline. Yeah. Totally. Also, I noticed that in the start of the season, Daphne is wearing light blue. And at the end of the season, she's wearing dark blue, like a more mature Mm -hmm. color and stuff like that. Less like baby. And so I was like, oh, this is like so smart. And also the music is so good. Like I will live like... if I need sound, but I can't have like Same. Words, oh my god, I, this is the playlist because it's like I love a pop hit done in classical music style. Like Me too. the wild the version of Wildest Dreams of like the orchestra is just so like so stunning. No, I listen to that all the time. When it came on the show last night, I was like, I was fucking dancing and singing 
Um, the thank you next cover is so fucking good. So good. And so yeah, good. I, I listen to this all the time too, especially when, again, Christmas 2020. It was like, I just put on the quartet, you know, versions of these songs. And like, it's just so such good background music when you need to focus and you can't have any lyrics or anything. It's so good. Um, okay. You talked about the colorblind casting. So let's just talk about that for a little bit because mm-hmm. it has had mixed reviews. Some people really, really like it. And some people really don't like it. So I want to know the people who don't like it. What's the reason? Okay. I will tell you. Cause I have that. Okay. <laughs> so as you mentioned before, it was inspired because Queen Charlotte, uh, is believed to be a mixed race woman. And so a lot of people hailed this as really progressive because we don't see black and brown people in a lot of Regency pieces. But a lot of people also said that it's like denying the reality of racism, which is true. It's kind of touched on in the show. Um, Lady Danbury and Simon have a conversation about um, Queen Charlotte and King George, but it's not super super explored outside of that conversation sure and this is the other piece people of color want to see themselves in regency pieces and actors want to act like how fucking shitty would that be that like okay so just what like my oh we're doing a remake of pride and prejudice yeah no brown people apply like that's like for what for what reason and like i get it historical like but this like we have gone so far outside of like historically accurate in Bridgerton no totally especially with the music and the costumes just like what you said also that was inspired by A Knight's Tale the 2001 Heath Ledger movie or whatever which is iconic because they use rock songs like we will rock you in the movie and they do non-historically accurate piece like things like their dress and stuff like that and so they kind of took from that which I again I love people also say these eras are already being romanticized because again we're seeing the good parts of yeah like when we would want to go back there when when in reality we know that we actually don't and then from the other side also though it says like race changes context for example in the sexual assault scene which I want to talk about a little bit more a white woman forcing a black man to finish inside of her with the larger context of racism and how white women often wrongly accuse black men for sexual assault as well as the fetishization and over sexualization of black men make it like you know obviously so much worse and so much more damaging because Mm -hmm. there are already harmful stereotypes of black men being aggressive sexually aggressive animalistic always wanting to have sex with like a a submissive white woman um, which obviously leads to you know racism the surveillance of black bodies etc i can totally understand where those are points are coming from but are we just gonna eliminate those conversations and say only white people in no this? i know i know it's like what's the path forward then yeah and i'm not sure if they knew at the time but maybe they know now because we've had more colorblind series like the buccaneers and like hamilton and stuff like that so maybe maybe someone a lot smarter than me <laughs> and a lot more appropriate to talk about this has yeah. an idea and it's like interesting to have the conversations come up where you go oh i wouldn't have thought about that but Absolutely. it's also like you can't be so afraid to have the conversations and see like oh like 
why that might not work to like eliminate them to eliminate having uh, like a diverse cast where people are going to enjoy seeing people who look like them on screen and see themselves as desirable and like have people like want want somebody who looks like them and make them so sexy and like there is a balance and nothing is ever going to be perfect Totally. I even saw Avantika, who plays Karen Chetty in the Mean Girls movie, the 2024 version. She was talking about how the first time she saw herself really depicted in uh, TV was Bridgerton season two. I think the other piece about that is like season two, we get a lot more of Kate and Edwina's backstory and Mm -hmm. culture and stuff like that versus in season one. It's like, like brushed over or like the people of color aren't speaking to their own culture and perspectives and uh, lives, I guess, as we see in season two. So I'm assuming that like it gets better from here. But yeah, the conversation isn't that we can't have people of color in these pieces. Like, could you imagine? And and that I, I doubt that's what obviously Shonda Rhimes wanted. Yeah. As um, someone with, I think, some of the most diverse casting in the like TV landscape. Can we talk about the sexual assault thing and then we can move on to some of the lighter bits of this? Sure. sure. Just because why didn't they change it? They had 20 years of context and realization that this is bad and they still didn't change it for the TV series. I think actually the TV series was worse than the book because in the book she has remorse like way more like is like fuck what did I just do I really hurt this person where Mm -hmm. in the tv show you like don't even really get that they put the betrayal of Simon lying to Daphne about not being able to have kids as the pinnacle problem versus like Daphne's doing something non-consensual yeah, and I'm re- I I was really surprised when I watched the show that they kept <laughs> out of all things to keep true to the book. That's the one you choose. Um, no, so I, literally, it's just like I don't know. And I like I'd be curious to know if like Julia Quinn regrets that storyline or like plot device. I think so too. So um, I don't think she does. Again, when I was doing some half-ass internet research, she kind of talks about how at the time. Again, if if this was 1812, it, like, doesn't seem as bad or, like, that's her mindset or whatever. And I was like, mm, I don't <laughs> – that doesn't, like, absolve the character or yeah. anything. And also, like, okay, but it's not 1812. Like, I don't think – you were writing this in 2000. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. I just think, like, why couldn't – like, they did so many changes in the, in the TV series, which we can talk about, but – they they didn't change that and they could have done it where it's like they have the argument that he doesn't like he ejaculates into the sheets and then like couldn't they just use another plot device to get them to the point of like him accepting that he wanted to have kids like even yeah. his relationships with Gregory and Hyacinth like being fun and stuff like that couldn't that have been like the change or something and it's like it's interesting because the second season really diverts from the book in a way where it's almost not the same story that like oh you couldn't have done that here like you couldn't have like 
you like I don't want to hear the argument of like, well, like we had to because like you have to get from here to here and that's how we do it. Like, I don't know, man. It's so brutal. And it got shit like the reception. Not good. <laughs> like, Not good for that scene. So that's like fair. OK, let's talk about some of the differences between the book and the movie. Anthony's introduction is him having sex with Sienna against the tree <laughs> that like truly has to be, I think, one of the best introductions to a character we've ever seen. I forgot like how quickly we got into like, oh, this show we see butts. Yeah, yeah, like truly, truly. It seemed so scandalous, the sex scenes. I guess just because they were on Netflix. Yeah. They still I mean, seem scandalous. I mean, yeah, because we're prudes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Literally. Obviously, there's a lot more just, like, of the side character stories. Because in the book, it's, like, literally just Daphne and Simon. Yeah, you get those two perspectives. And I think it's really fun in the show. We get to see so many other ones. That they, like, added storylines. And they made it, like, a well-rounded show. So that as we're, like, transitioning into season two, where Daphne and Simon are no longer our leads, that it just doesn't, like, fall off. Of, totally. Like, well, I don't care about it because I only care about those two. And, and, like, I do think they did a great job at, like, transitioning Daphne into season two, and I thought they used her really well in that. So, and, like, having the storylines kind of go throughout the series, and I just, I do like that. I I like those changes. I think they're interesting. I think it it's, like, what they had to do to make a TV, TV series. show. Totally. Like, they were appropriate for the show. Like, they have the print storyline where Daphne starts to be wooed and, like, eventually proposed to by a prince. And then the P- Prince of Prussia. And then there's also the full Marina <laughs> Thompson storyline where the Featherington's distant cousin is pregnant and they're trying to scheme and trick a man into marrying her so people don't know and then it gets exposed by lady whistledown yeah that's like a really wild storyline to include and i like in the notes it says like this character is not in the book it's not in the first book Um, marina exists interesting yes okay i think i did kind of know that but yeah she's like not talked about in the book at all and then she's actually a pivotal lady whistle down like character because the only way that colin doesn't marry her is that it's exposed that she's pregnant in lady whistle down like that's a fucking that was a smart like tv choice Mm -hmm. i think so as i mentioned before daphne's just like way more upset about like the marriage and stuff like that and, like, Queen Charlotte doesn't exist. Not that she doesn't exist. She's, like, not a character in the series. Totally, totally. In the book, in the book she's, like, not mentioned as, like, naming her diamond because she's not the diamond. And as, like, gossipy and, like, trying to find out the identity of Lady Whistledown. For me, it's actually sometimes so fucking painful to watch people not understand what sex is and where babies come from like when all the Bridgerton sisters are like trying to ask their brothers in their like drawing room or whatever and like when Daphne's asking Simon in the park and stuff like that it's so it's so embarrassing yeah and like that's the one thing I don't love about Regency romances is that it's always like the man being like I'll teach you yeah yeah like yeah, yeah. we rarely get a man being a virgin yeah like as one of the leads like I can count on one hand how many like and I've read a lot of Regency romances I could probably think of like two or three books offhand where like that's the case 
Totally, totally. And again, if you really like analyze this book, when we're talking about like that it hinges of like Daphne doesn't know what cum is. It's so cringy. Like, how is that a book that I'm reading? Like, it's so yeah. embarrassing. Um, I also want to talk about like their sex scenes, good sex scenes. And again, like they're just they're done really well. And yeah, I feel like I was scandalized when I watched it. Daphne is me with dirty talk. Like Simon's like talking to her. He's like, tell me what you want and stuff like that. And she like, she's literally, she's like, I want you. Like she like, she just can't, like she can't uh-uh. say anything. But why, why would she be able to say anything? Because she grew up. She in doesn't purity. even know what's happening. I know. She grew up in purity culture. It's so, it's so frustrating. Oh my God. It's tough to read books when the women in the book aren't empowered to have like sexuality and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, the TV show's fucking funny. There are so many funny points in the TV show that I was like LOLing. Like when Daphne meets the prince, Simon and her, because of the ruse, they're talking about, you know, how the woman uh, you know, swoons over the man and stuff like that. And they're saying how rote it is and how when uh Cressida Cowper or whatever gets introduced to the prince he'll note how exquisite her dress is and then he does that to Daphne and she like laughs and snorts and Simon's like I didn't know a sound so unbecoming could like come from a girl (laughs) like you it's so funny yeah, it, it like it is very quippy and it sucks that like and I find the book reasonably quippy. Like there are moments where I was like, Oh Daphne, you are funny. Like I forgot you're not just like boring. Um totally. It sucks that both the book and T V series are like deeply ruined by a sexual assault scene. No, and, like, I know. I, I, that's and, like, understated. That's, <laughs> yeah, and like that's the thing is like uh, all of the Bridgerton books I have reread multiple times. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've gone back to the first one. Yeah, and, and like I can I'm see also why. like I don't think I can go back to that one again unless totally. there was like a reason. Like totally. this. like it's ne- like I'm never going back to that one for funsies. Totally, like I don't even think I'll watch the you know season one again. Like I didn't before, and I don't think I will again because it's it's tough when it hinges on this like awful non consensual behavior. It's like it's pretty fucked to be honest. In the TV series, they use this that I don't think is in the book, but correct me if I'm wrong, this, like, I burn for you. Spoiler alert, it's more of a second book thing. Interesting. But not between... Yeah, but they do... Antony and um, Kate say that for each other, to each other. In Yeah, interesting. Do we like that, like... I burn. I don't you. want. I don't want a man to say that to me. Yeah. I like them saying it to each other. Yeah, that's fair. The whole Antony and Sienna also like obviously we don't get that in the first book because it's not from their POVs. But like, I really bought into their love story, and I forgot how quickly you have to pivot to him just like not giving a fuck about her. Well, and like out of all of the storylines that were added this one is my least favorite yeah because of how much i love the second book i know and because in the second one he's supposed to be like i'll never love like that's not i'm not doing that yeah thanks though don't invite me to that i can't even remember if that if he blames that on sienna 
I don't no, even no, think he it's doesn't because you should blame it on his dad. Yeah, which yeah. is like what happens. Spoiler alert for the book. That's what happens in the book, right? right. So it makes sense. But then, like, it doesn't make but he sense loved that her. He's... Yeah, right. Yeah. So it makes it less special for the second one. Yeah. Okay. Let's tra- let's chat for a sec about Lady Whistledown's identity, and then let's talk about our internet investigation, etc. Did you like? What did you think of this? In the book, it basically just alludes at the very last sentence that Lady Whistledown is a young woman. Um, writing these scandal sheets. What did you, like, did you have suspicions? Were you trying to guess while you were watching? No, because I think I read the first, I think I read up until the point in this series where you learn the identity. So it was really poignant in the book to learn that. Like, it was pretty shocking. You're like, what? Yeah. But in the show, like, I, I get why they did it in the first season, but I also love having the mystery of it. Where, but I, you know, I think it does make sense for the show and especially kind of like the storylines they go for later on and like blah, blah, blah. But I do love how like shocking it was in the book. Okay, also though, with the TV show, I was like, it's the Modiste. <laughs> like, I'm such a dummy. Like, I was like, it's fucking the Modiste. Like, they were like plotting those hints. And I thought I was so clever figuring that out. <laughs> I'm so dumb. Like, were you surprised at the end when it was like revealed? Yeah, yeah, I was. But then it makes so much sense that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was, I was shocked. I was shocked. Okay, let's get into our internet investigation. Julia Quinn, I I pulled some quotes from her. She said, I really liked this. The journey toward happiness and love is just as important as a hero's quest. I think that's a really, like, poignant and, like, not simple in a way that, in a negative way, but simple uh, explaining that why the romance genre is important. I Yeah, that is really sweet. And like, because it's so often like, it's just romance novels. It's like, no, like that can be as fulfilling as, you know, reading Plato. (laughs) 100%. No, totally. Um, And she was pretty involved in the series production as well. Like she uh, read through the scripts and she was a consultant. Um, But she wasn't, like, in the writer's room, like, every step of the way. But she definitely got to weigh in. Um, And she talks about when Bridgerton season one came out, she says, all of a sudden there were people who were like, wow, that made me feel so good. I feel warm and fuzzy and happy. I was swept up in it. I wonder if there's anything else there that can give me these feelings. And the giant roar you heard was a... was a thousand romance authors being like, hey, we're here. Our stories are here. We've been doing this for decades. Yeah, it's actually kind of brutal to think that this was a lot of people's introduction to romance novels. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is interesting. That's for sure. And like, I hope it's been able to open a lot of people up to something that they might not have given a chance before. Absolutely. Like, as like a valid form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, I misquoted this before, but the costuming involved over 200 people and five months of preparation to create over 5,000 costumes. And it it's sh- insane. like it's insane. It's so beautiful. The lighting of everything, like the candlelight and stuff like that. You just can't beat like the aesthetic castles and like the lilacs and the the gloves and stuff like that. Um, okay, our wonder whys. We already talked about the tiny bags, but the lead characters. This is something I'm dying to fucking talk about. Why okay. does Anthony have mud and chops? Like, uh, I, like it's like Mr. Darcy. 
Yeah, and like it's funny to me because I'm like in the first season, I'm like, this is so unsexy. Like, how are they gonna turn it into like sexy for season two? And they fucking did. No, they, they did. I was like, oh, okay, I'm here now. No, and Anthony I think, I think that's so like hot. why. I yeah. think they like did something to make him like not sexy that in the second series they're like, all right, you thought you knew. And I feel like they did the same for Colin because I found him unsexy in season one and two. And then like I'm seeing these photos and I'm like, okay, I yep, get it. Here. I fucking get yep. it. No, literally, it's so funny. It kind of reminds me Colin's glow up is kind of like how Stassi from VPR talked about her chin implant. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that chin implant. And like, there's just something he got like I guess a little uh, more tan and a little more like a buff haircut. and a, ha- yeah. a good haircut. Man, a haircut can do a, like wonders on a, a man. He was like he was just like a kid in the yeah. first season. Yeah. Oh my god. It works. It works well. Yeah, and Ant- Anthony, I was like, oh, he's hot. Like he's a hot man. But in season two, I was like gripping my like chair like the arms of my chair when I was watching like he would lead in season two like they I cannot praise them enough for like the 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 scene of him getting out of the the water water. (laughs) I was thinking that female gaze was represented in that scene oh my god I was just thinking about that when that came out the amount of times the amount of tiktoks I just watched of him getting out of the water and the shirt being like see-through and stuff like that. Like I'm actually embarrassed at how often I looked at that picture. Oh my God. He's so I, fucking hot. I'm, there. I'm right there with you. They also like, they put this like bad fake mole on Sienna and then like Eloise's hair is like insane. All, there are some interesting hair choices. I will yeah. say that. They really, it's like you really think that they like did something in season one and then season two rolls around and it's like, no, everyone's just better like, yeah. and elevated. This is a, this is an issue I have with Akatar too. Why in the book and the TV show series do they glaze over the wedding and like the engagement? This is every series, like every book in the series. Like, we are not seeing weddings at all. Yeah. Like, and I don't know. And it's like, I feel like they always go back to like, well, it was a small wedding because they had to do it so quickly. Yeah, I, I guess so. But it's just like, you usually think the wedding is like the pinnacle of like scenes that you would want to depict, especially on TV. Yeah. And like, I, I wonder if it's like an intentional choice in the book to like say like, just being married is not like the end goal and like the end all and be all of like your life together or whatever like that's not the wedding is not the happily ever after it's what comes after true which is a good metaphor for life too (laughs) (laughs) grapes and grumbles okay so like this is so fucking annoying and i know that this is just like this is society with women uh everywhere but it's like the way that the men bitch about the mamas being so fucking hungry to marry off their daughters and so pushy and stuff like that when there is no other way for them to move up in society and they don't have jobs to like occupy their time and the way that they just blame it on the mamas for being annoying when it's like no you set that up for them to yeah. like rely on that is so fucking annoying 
you're right and i've never really thought about it um and i think it's because the men are so selfish like it does not occur to them to like think about anyone else no it's so brutal like it's it's so hard to watch the men like especially Anthony and simon like walking into balls and being like oh my god this like woman has to talk to me about her daughter and her daughter's embroidery skills and stuff like that and it's like you made it like this Mm -hmm. like freaking annoying man their accents are also so different from like i feel like modern day british accents like they say issue and i don't even negotiate (laughs) i can't even repeat it yeah like i think i think that is kind of like his historically correct yeah where it's like the upper class societies of England were kind of pushing for this accent. Um, there's a really interesting scene from one of the seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race where one of the queens is talking about how like like we have what was the original act like English accent and it's the, the like upper classes that tried to put this new accent and people were like no you're stupid like but that's the that's the case like it's it's not that our accents devolved from what theirs is it's that theirs has changed and like you know move forward to like sound more posh and then it just kind of went in line with that because they wanted something and, else to separate themselves yeah. from the lower cast. if i'm not getting these details right it, there's no need to add no me. i'm That's like fine. nodding my head like everything <laughs> no literally if it's don't just like a whisper <laughs> yeah it's like a whisper of like what is the actual truth no literally just you don't need to contact us though like we're good I do want to say, though, I do want to bring back countenance, which is, like, demeanor. And I do want to bring back courses, which is your period. (laughs) Sure. We let's do that. This is, again, a little bit spoilery, but I just – but also not really. Um, I hate when people get so annoyed about, like, spoilers that are, like, so minute. Like, anyways, okay. A lot of the storylines just die in season one that we just, like, don't get picked up in season two. Like, which one, like, what is it that you're missing from it? Yeah, I, I think I'm mainly talking about Sienna. But then also, okay. I guess, like, like Simon's friend, the boxer, we just don't see. But it's like, I guess that makes sense because that's Simon's friend. No, see, but see, he's the bartender, is he not? Yeah, he comes back in a, di- in like a, in yeah, a he small buys, role. But like. He buys the bar with the money from. The boxing match. Yeah, from like yeah. losing the boxing match. But like. So I like. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah because he's Simon's friend it is kind of like why else would you it's kind of like Che Diaz on and just like that or any of the new characters it's like you have to inter like weave them into the main characters in different ways because then mm-hmm. if you break up with the person they just disappear because they're not friends yeah. with anyone else finally our sequel scoop this was at the its premiere the number one watched show on Netflix. Uh, it is now moved to number four, but it, it's like number four all time Netflix viewers with over, I can't even read this number out loud, like 113 million. What a great question you're asking. <laughs> 113 million, 300,000, 300,000 viewers. Why can't I read a fucking number? Like, I've never been able to. No, I'm like, I, I, I'm looking at it and I can't read it. Like, it's so embarrassing. Uh, so as we discussed before, there was a lot of discussion about the colorblind casting and the sexual assault scene. 
And we obviously have season two, which covers Antony and Kate. Daphne is briefly featured, but Simon is away on business. This is what I wanted to say. Regajon Page, where have you been? Because he didn't want to come back for season two to be a side character, which I understand. It's a big filming commitment if you're just going to be a side character. But babe, you have, I, as I, I think he had like a Marvel movie or some type of action movie. But, like, nothing else. And I feel like I know, like, pop culture. I feel like he's been nowhere to be seen. Like, he hosted SNL and, like, all of that. And then just kind of, like, his career died. And I was like, you should have signed on for Bridgerton season two. Yeah. Like, I, you know, whatever he wants to do with his career. And I can understand why, you know, what I I can understand. But it does kind of suck. Because one of the things I am most looking forward to about season three is seeing more of Antony and Kate being a couple and like it would have been fun to see that in season two with Simon and Daphne because we do have some cute moments in the book of that like not in not like not a lot but there are a few moments like where Simon pops in he's just like so in love with Daphne and then like for season three that means we're not seeing Phoebe Dynever at all or I like know. Daphne's that's the other thing is it shoots Daphne in the foot too because there's only so many times you can say Simon's away on business I'm here with the kids before it starts making Simon look like an absentee father <laughs> yeah which is also a trope we don't want to show on tv so it's like I yeah it that pisses me off too and because I thought Phoebe was so brilliant so in good two. uh with her little itty bitty bangs and her swan neck. Like, I don't know. This is just her role. Like, again, I saw in Younger. Like, no, this is her era. Like, she's yes. just so great. I loved their love story minus, you know, the problematic parts. And I'm just so sad that we won't get more of them for season three. And it that's the best part of ensemble cast is you get to check in with them. And we just don't get that. And it really sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, And the third season, as we mentioned, is going to cover Colin and Penn. It's going to come out May 16th and June 13th. It's in two chunks. Um, And it's so wild that we haven't had new Bridgerton other than Queen Charlotte content in two years. Yeah. And like, I I don't think this is the way they planned it. Like, obviously, the filming schedules with COVID and then the actor strikes and everything. I think that has really made an impact of when this is coming out so i'll be interested to see for season four what what that looks like yeah any last thoughts Haley? i feel like we've talked about fucking everything yeah i'm just really excited to see how this how season three plays out especially because it's the third season but it's the fourth book and i understand why they did it that way um and i hope we start tying in some of the other stories into this series so to like smoothly transition into four i would love in the fourth season if we actually like covered two of the love stories because some of them kind of lay over each other and i would really be interested to see that personally basically i just want to bully you into reading the rest of the books i know i'm going to i really i i think i'll start on the viscount and we can cover it in march and then you can read three you could read three Bridgerton novels in the time it takes you to read one Akatar. Um, oh my god that was the other thing I was like it's so nice 
after like learning the magic systems and like all of that and like the battle scenes it's so nice to just be like he shows up yeah Yeah. he shows up he brings her a ring and they chat and then they move on to like it's so nice my god okay this was so much fun where can the listeners find you and anything else you want to plug um, you can find me weekly on the Bachelor Rehab Up podcast. We are covering Joey's season. If you want to go back, Tori actually did the draft with us. We do it. We do a, a seasonal draft, um, and you did it with us this year. So if you want to catch up on that, that is available in the feeds. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at hstrong underscore. And if you want to check out my Bookstagram account where I read and review books constantly. That is at the Strong Library. And I'm like in second place in the draft and you're in first place. I am annihilating in the draft. No, I know. I think you're going to take it. I don't even think we can catch up and it's only week two. <laughs> like, I know. I just like 10 more weeks slam- and I, <laughs> yeah, I slam dunk this one. I don't even know how I like I only about once every like four years I do well in the draft. No, and you're like killing it. But I lost so many people first night. I think two or three of my five picks. And, and you're um, like top picks too. No, I know. I know. I know. Which is so embarrassing. But I'm like holding on. So we'll see if I, I have longevity in this draft. We'll we'll see. Okay. Thanks for coming on. And that's the story of the Duke and I. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Haley for joining me on today's show. A few housekeeping items. I totally realized only during the edit that Daphne's kids are named after the alphabet too. Like it's A, B, C, and then D for David. And I thought that was a very cute little detail that... Julia Quinn included in the novel. And this isn't my first time talking about Bridgerton. (laughs) I have done lots of other episodes on the show, including a full season two recap on my podcast, Ready to be Petty. If you are interested in more Bridgerton discussion and you can't wait for Haley and I's next episode, definitely check those out. I will include all of the links in the episode show notes. And I've said it before, and I will definitely say it again, but please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review, especially because we are a new podcast. It's vital that we show some sort of listenership and good feedback from those listeners. It can really determine whether a person decides to click on the episode or not. So if you could leave me a rating and review, I would appreciate it so, so, so much. And if you already have, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Maybe I'll read some of those out in future episodes. If you'd like to suggest a book or leave a voicemail, you can do so via the links in the episode show notes. We would love to hear from you and include some more audience participation. Our next episode is Twilight. Until then, happy reading. For Ready to be Romanced, I'm Tori. Goodbye.